0: Today on the show, I'm talking to Frank Turner. Even in a regular, normal, every year year, I'd still be amazed at the output Frank has achieved this year. Collaborations with people all over the world, solo material, producing—you know—he's a—he's a, a veritable force of nature. Frank was gracious enough to take us on tour supporting him in uh, the UK. Last year? Was it last year? Was it 40 years ago? 40 years ago, Frank took us on tour. My conversation with Frank Turner happened November 10th of 2020. They say talking to yourself is a sign of pending mental collapse. We have been expecting you, Frank Turner. Uh,
1: Hello, how are you? I'm doing very good. Look at you! You've got like a professional backdrop.
0: Sort of, yeah. It's it's like uh, you know, it's all green screen.
1: That's loaded up <laughs> with, with gear. I'm now recording on my phone.
0: Hooray! sweet. So here we are. Awesome. How it's, are you? I'm doing I'm doing really good, man. It's good to see you. It's good to like yeah. hang out and talk to other musicians. <laughs>
1: yeah, which is a thing that we usually do a fair amount, arguably too much of, um, uh, as far as our better halves are concerned. But um, this year's been an exception to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is uh, the longest I think I've been at home in ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, the, ever. This is, this is the longest amount of time my wife and I have ever spent in each other's company this year, um, and uh, it turns out we got on quite well, which that's is, good. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's the, really uh, great.
0: It's the acid test for the relationship if if you can survive not being on tour for a year, right?
1: Then, exactly. then you're in. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, when we got together, I was touring musician, and she understood the, what what she was signing up for. But it's, we say. Diff-
0: but it's different. It's different when you have to, when that's taken away, though, and you have to right. just be oh, totally.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that she, you know, I'm not just her, but There is, there are some upsides to this year in the sense that we have spent a lot more time together, and we've sort of, you know, um, uh, lived a lot of experiences together, which have been quite um, unifying. Should yeah. say,
0: it's not all bad. You know, yeah, it's different. Exactly. It's, 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 very different, but it's, it doesn't have to be all bad. Yeah. Are you
1: in Arizona right now? Yes.
0: Right now <laughs> I'm in Arizona.
1: <laughs> How, is, but my question being like, what's lockdown been like for you guys? Have you had moments when you're literally not allowed to leave the house?
0: No, <laughs> I've never been literally like trapped in my house
1: yeah um, we had that for a good like three four months where you're allowed to leave the house once a day um and to get it for essentials <laughs> 30 uh, minutes for sunlight yeah if right, there is exactly. sunlight if there's sunlight in london yeah well we're in england yeah right yeah. so although it was crazy because there was a period of time when it was like the greatest weather we'd ever seen ever and everyone was trapped in their houses and it oh i know how invisible. that drives you
0: guys crazy when yeah, that when that goes exactly. down
1: yeah we no. have to go outside and take all our clothes off and pretend that we live in arizona
0: most of, the, most of the way housing is here, it's very spread out. It's, you know, there was, it's just nothing but land, and when people developed it, it just kind of went out instead of going yep. up. So,
1: which, which, by the way, is part of my grand unified theory about why America produces such great music. This is going somewhere relevant, which is that it's possible to rehearse in your house. In most, even like people who are not particularly wealthy, can quite often have like a garage band or have a band and you know in the back room or whatever. In a way that just if you grow up in London um, and unless you're like insanely rich, like you just can't have a band in your house in London. It's just not a thing.
0: It's a lot like my friends who had bands in New York. Like they have, right. they, they. I mean, it's really, it's not easy. Like you'd have to get a space that was, right. pro- that was probably. To- you, know, you like have to pay
1: for a rehearsal space or whatever, right?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a serious commitment, and and, and you have to you can't you can't just like I, I agree with you. There's there's a lot. It's a lot easier to suck here, <laughs> and then but you have to suck. You have to suck yeah. for a bit, because then oh, yeah, we, at yeah, some yeah. point you get beyond sucking. <laughs> the
1: magic moment. Where yeah, it crosses up,
0: but you're not going to yeah, have that opportunity unless you have like unless you can make some noise freely with with different people often and it's not so easy
1: yeah the first band that i ever played in i was like 11 years old and my mate chris um who lived in the next town over happened to have some forgiving neighbors so saturday middle of the day we could and we were kids and we played um highway to hell by acdc really badly oh that's rad over again (laughs) we did that and actually then so i'm sure that this is a thing for you as well is it your birthday today by the way it is happy birthday
0: oh thanks frank See, this is, this is sort of like, I mean, I'm usually on tour for my birthday, so this is kind of like, right. you know, normal, somewhat.
1: <laughs> Talking to a musician. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so uh, you know, Nirvana came along, and the, the thing about Nirvana for me was it, it, it's a punk rock moment. It's that moment where you know I was into Metallica and Pantera and stuff, and you can't if you're like twelve and you've got shitty equipment that you got from the um, catalog store or whatever, you can't make noise like that. Even if you could physically play it, it's not going to sound like Master of Puppets, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, and then you heard In Utero, and it was like, oh, I can play those chords and I can make that kind of sound, and that's really kind of liberating. And it's that moment when you realise that you know, the idea of punk, anyone can do it, um, but. But the reason I think of this is that one of the other songs we used to play over and over again when I was twelve in this my friend's bedroom. After a while, we picked up on the song "Rape Me" by Nirvana, which was the one song that his mum like called time on because it was a bunch of bunch of twelve year olds, bunch of twelve year old kids screaming "rape me" into a microphone over and over and over again on a Saturday afternoon. Apparently, was beyond the pale.
0: Yeah, as a as a kid, I get it. As a parent, I get it.
1: Yeah, well that's the thing. like you know I I'm get not, it I'm, 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 I'm not a parent but as a, as a 38 year old man I can now look at look back at it and go yeah, that's kind of fair yeah. enough."
0: Yeah I had a sort of a similar experience of like coming up with like through metal but not having the technical power to or ability to really replicate it right and then having um, you know discovering punk rock being way more approachable like you know right. it sort of punk rock met me where i was at and and exactly. then i could and then i could i could kind of like continue to play and maybe get better and then maybe take on some of the more difficult technically difficult kind of things as i got just right. better at playing i think you yeah, need you gotta, that you need those things that just kind of keep you going because it's it it's all about having fun
1: Right, exactly, and and it's the But it's the, way it the barriers to entry thing. The barriers to entry in kind of like metal, particularly technical metal, are so high that you either have to be a prodigy in the first place, which some people are, and good for them, um, or you need to lock yourself away and sort of practice in this way that's like insanely antisocial. And I did do that for a while, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's that thing of just like you know, and hearing Nirvana, particularly in utero, because it was so raw the production on it. It was just like I can play these songs. Um, and what that did for me was it put the focus on why is this amazing and we'd suck. Um, and the answer is songwriting, right? It's because it's, you know, it wasn't like, oh, cool, we're Nirvana now. We obviously weren't Nirvana yeah. now. And the answer is like, well, why are they so great? And we're just a bunch of 12-year-old dorks with like Strat copies and like 30-what apps.
0: Right. It's a lot like, you know, when, when, when kids... Um, it's, a, it's a musical analogy of when kids are trying to parent themselves. You know, mm-hmm. like there's that, yeah. especially like in the teenage years where you're trying to, it's, you're trying to take, you don't even understand why you're doing it. I mean, I have, I have basically three teenagers, so, so that's, that's why I'm thinking about this. But so you're, you're, you are you you do not even understand why you feel these things, but you feel these things and you have to take on more responsibility. You're trying to have more independence and you know, it's, it's sort of a battle of what you are actually physically or mentally and emotionally able to handle. And of course, yeah. you go too far <laughs> and end up in right. trouble. Yeah, but yeah. but there's that you know it's it's sort of like the musicianship equivalent of that. I, I, right. And I was there too. Like we we'd be yeah. trying to take on these really like intense kind of technical metal things, but we had didn't understand. <laughs> I mean, our version of it of what we thought was tricky, like you know, wacky timings or uh, you know different riffs or whatever. But it's it 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 sucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it sucked well, but the, but you don't you have to like you're trying to take on more than you can handle
1: and yeah, you,
0: you do have to do that you have to get a little of course, bit of that you to, you're not yeah. going to get better
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. But it still and sucks. It, it, it reminds me of a, a long conversation I had with my mum over and over again when I was growing up, which because I was really involved in like the straight edge hardcore scene, and, you know, like sick of it all and all that kind of business. And and there was a scene in London, the UKHC scene. I have the tattoo up here somewhere. There it is. Um, and uh, you know, I loved it. And my mum was like full of fear because it was completely outside of her sphere of re- reference. You know, she never my mum barely knows who the Beatles are. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. she was like. What the fuck is this? And and she didn't say fuck. Uh, but uh, and then but the thing that I thought kind of nebulously at the time, and that I think more strongly as a grown up, is that one of the great things about specifically that hardcore scene, but any kind of youth scene, is it's kind of like a like preschool for real life do you know what I mean it was like within the confines of quote unquote the scene there was there was a sort of there were safety barriers there were walls around it It was like you had stabilizers on your bike and you could go in and you could get into political arguments and you could um you know try putting on a show and then it would be a disaster or you could put out a zine which I did and anybody who owns a copy of that zine will die in mysterious circumstances in the next five years Um, (laughs) and do you know what I mean but it was like it was kind of safe because yes. it was this self-contained thing. And, and and my mom was so terrified of what I was doing. I had the weird later teenage years experience. I was straight edge for a few years. And at the age when most parents are trying to convince their, children, their teenagers not to drink, my mom was trying to make me drink because she thought I'd joined a cult. Um, and uh, so we, I'd be like, you know, home in the evenings. And my mom would like be pushing glasses of wine in my yeah. direction and being like, give it a try. And this I'd is what like, grown-ups no. do. Yeah. Yeah, right. It was like till death kind of thing. Um and uh yeah.
0: So. That's not a it's not necessarily a bad way to go, man. Right. Some people discover that that they can have two and stop. Oh yeah. <laughs> other totally. people well, other people never do and and yeah. I think it's not necessarily the worst thing to hold off until you have some level of uh actual maturity to make that decision for yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> you know like oh, when, also, when you're supposed to try drinking? As yeah, opposed yeah, to like, yeah, totally. you know, fourteen year olds passing
1: out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also like an awful lot of people, I, w- I was uh, I w- I discovered after a time I was a person of extreme, so I went from being somebody yeah. who was straight edge when I was in my late teens to in my kind of late twenties having like a drug problem. You know what I mean? And yeah. It was just like, dude, it's possible to do some. You know, it doesn't have to be none <laughs> or all. It can be
0: some. Yeah. That's a way that's a way I mean, but I think musicians and artists in general are far more disposed to having uh those kinds of problems because that's what, that's what we're doing with art. Right. Especially, you know, for people who maybe came up in, in music and and art as kids, like we did, because it's that discovery thing that, that, that just is a lightning rod directly to the center of your being. That's, that's intense validation in a, in a real, in a healthy way. Because you made, you created this thing and, and, and expressed it and it's just like, it is drugs, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but so we're kind of like looking around at things in all of our life that are, that will meet that same sort of thing. I mean, it's not, not, it's not, it's not exactly sustainable as the thing that you should put all your center of self-worth on on yeah
1: yeah so
0: because it is it is a fleeting kind of thing like if you at best you make something that you really love you're super proud of you're done yeah. that's it <laughs> you know like you're done like yeah, yeah you hard. know i mean man like you you i think with the with even since no man's land i think you've been Really busy, and that was a yeah. A, that was a, well, a crazy kind of achievement. Like you, you had this plan. You set out to make it. It was it was multifaceted. You had the podcast.
1: You know, yeah, definitely, like, and and as I'm sure that you more than most will appreciate. You can imagine what my record label said when I said, "So I'm going to make a concept history record," uh, and they went. Really? Are you? That is that a brilliant idea? I think. It's, I, I, did, I had to fight for it for a degree, which, I, and I'm proud that I did. You know, I, I feel like it's something I can stand behind.
0: What do you think? What do you think they wanted, or what do you think
1: the uh, m- more potential kind of, like, radio hits kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, not that, not not to say that the music that I write normally is kind of, like, devoid of intellectual content, but, um, you know, I think they were correct in surmising that I was unlikely to have a big radio hit with a kind of uh, an intellectual, like, history song. And I didn't, and I wasn't expecting to, you know. Um, that wasn't really the point, you know. The point yes. was to do something slightly different. Um, but it, it, I, I had to... You know, um, uh, drawing some strategic reserves, should we say, in those kind of arguments that we all go through all the uh-huh. time, um, and successfully so, and I'm, I'm glad I did it.
0: I think it's a, am, a ambitious, but really important uh, bit of work. Thank you. you know, like Thank and you. and yeah. on a lot of levels, and also like f- for like a career, <laughs> like if you're if you're just chasing radio hits, and in oh, yeah. best case you're successful at that you're only your career is only as good as your last radio hit charted that's yeah, it like course. that's all you no, got no, completely. and in completely. a move like like doing something like this where it's like a more um, intellectual more socially conscious more just um deeper project all around and a multifaceted project all around that's just like no you're not going to maybe you know, race up the charts, but you're going to make lifelong fans out of that. And you're going to win over people you would never have won over with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think one, one of the things with that, and I'm sure again, that you and I can talk about this with a degree of familiarity, is that like what the starting motivation for making that record, actually, it wasn't going to, I wasn't like, I'm going to make a history record or a woman, a record about women's history or whatever. It was like, I always write about myself. Right and about my feelings and my experiences and the rest of it. I write in a confessional style I think that's the thing that comes from a lot of the music that I love and that I grew up with and it's totally fine there's nothing wrong with it and indeed I'm working on new songs at the minute and they will return to that style but it was just like for a minute maybe I'm not the most interesting thing to write about, you know, maybe it would be cool to write about other things and other people and other experiences and other events and all the rest of it and, and to go down that road and that's where the process began and it was really, as a writer, it was a really awesome kind of like palette cleanser almost i want to say do you know what i mean it was like to to not just be sitting there thinking like what's happened to me recently that i can put into a song or whatever however you do it it was like cool Uh, and and it was it, it was such a different set of kind of um parameters in terms of writing for the first time in my life i found myself writing kind of going okay i have to get to 1953 by the end of verse two or else my structure's fucked and like i've never said that before damn you know and it was cool and it was like to sort of so know what you to know what everything that you had to cover in a song was before you even started, and then being like, "Well, how much can I fit in where, and how can I do it justice, and how can I just talk about it sensitively, and so on and so forth." It was just a different experience, and I'm really, really glad that I did it. I got a lot of questions about that.
0: Like first off the first <laughs> off the main thing, the main concept, the main idea of such a defined prompt to work around. Like I use I. I it's 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 kind of rare that something will pop into my head cold out of nowhere and that becomes the thing I want to do. Most of the time I start off with some, with like um the thing that does pop into my head is is like a a, a very general sort of prompt. Or sure. I'll 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 construct one for myself just as a challenge. And sure. from and from that I'll start asking myself questions about that. It'll lead to answers that provide more questions and i'll build the tree of of just data (laughs) and then depending on how i feel i'll I'll pick my route on how i want to fall out of the tree yeah yeah but but to intentionally set that 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 prompt for yourself did it start out like do you do that kind of thing often do you say like or is it is it Um, pretty much just what do i feel right now
1: um, it's generally speaking I mean for me like uh, as you and I both know like talking about songwriting can be quite difficult at times because it's a very nebulous process yeah. in a lot of ways and, and I don't have like a technique that I follow every time or whatever you know what I mean like it's just kind of um, sometimes it goes one way sometimes it goes another but more often than not it's I get a feeling that, that wouldn't it be cool if there was a song that sounded sort of like that yes. and that is very nebulous or, or, or felt like That You know what I mean? And then then you sort of, you work towards it incrementally. A lot of the time I work with kind of snippets, you know, as in like I have a pile of kind of musical ideas that I like, which might be a, a top line melody, it might be a chord sequence, it might just be a turnaround, you know, from one chord to another that I like. And then over here I have lyrical ideas, which again can be anything from Three stanzas, all the way down to just two words, which sound cool yeah. um, when they're next to each other. And, and in a way, you sort of—it's almost like you. It's like being in a junkyard. You know, you sit there with these two piles of material, and you grab one and one, and then you sort of do that. And you make bit, the. Uh,
0: then you make the junkyard robot that's going to save the world out of it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and so, but the, and, and so, the, I guess the, the process is more kind of emergent, should we say? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and it's and often, um, I don't know about you. I have songs that some songs kind of arrive get written and are finished in a short period of time i mean on occasion it's been a day quite quite often it'll be a week or something like that but then there's some stuff which takes years to filter through um, and often goes in very very different directions from where i originally thought it was going to be um and in one of my most interesting things for me is when when it sometimes it ends up jettisoning some of the original components oh yeah in the long run so i had this riff uh that i love that i wrote like seven years ago in a soundcheck in Aberdeen. And I think of it as the Aberdeen riff, right? And um, it kind of began a song that ended up becoming a song called Silent Key. And by the end of it, it had completely ditched the riff and moved miles away from it. And I was like, huh, okay. So, and then I started it and it kind of grew into a different song It became something else as well. And, the, and it again, completely justened it. And it's like, maybe this is just this like germination point for me forever and I'll never actually get it in a song.
0: Right. Yeah, I have that same thing Going on with a lot of my material, the um, the interesting thing I think I'm chasing is sometimes exactly what's holding me back from completing whatever it is I'm trying to tell myself by the process. Right. Yes, that happens yeah. all the time. That happens all the time, and I'm getting a little bit better at noticing, at picking that out. You know, like I have the the thing yeah. I think is really interesting because you got to have a direction, whether 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 you can identify it or verbalize it, maybe not but you have a direction you're just kind of chasing it and yeah. when you start to when you start to piece together maybe what really is happening you, you you of course you're going to lean into that because you think that's where you're telling yourself you're going but <laughs> you you can't yeah. you still have to let you still have to be open that maybe that's not where you're going to end up right and that you can be, be the difference you- that can be the difference from completing a song or or having something that sits on the shelf for 5 years
1: Right. And I I was going to say, you've got to allow yourself the possibility of surprising yourself. You know, um, something that I find really useful sometimes if I'm stuck is, is what I can't quite decide whether the word for this is improvisation or like automatic writing or whatever it is. But it's like, if I've got three quarters of a song, sometimes it's just like, you just pick up a guitar and you play it as if the song was finished and just don't let yourself stop at the bit where you've run out of stuff and just keep going and see what happens. And sometimes once in a blue moon, you play something or you say something that surprises yourself. You're like, oh shit, oh wow, I didn't see that coming. And, and then, then that, that might even then retrospect it's come to dominate the rest of the song you know that
0: yes ways to basically let go of the self-judgment and the, the self-awareness and just feel what's right. happening and see what happens right exactly if you're if you're just on this side of two of being present with it you're not gonna be able to let go right.
1: yeah and you put too much pressure on yourself I've, I like so um, uh, I have a song called "Only Proof" it before we got famous, and like the last line of it's become one of the more tattooed lyrics of that I've written in my life, should we say? And it's f- hilarious to me because I got to that point in the writing the song and just didn't have the closing line, and was just and I spent so long kind of going, it's got to be the most profound thing in the song. Whatever I say, it's got to be my grand statement. You know, I've got to make sure that it's as heavy as it could be. And in doing all of that shit, just completely fucked myself. And then just kind of went, oh the only thing. After is like fuck it, and we'll shove that in there and then carry on. And then it turned out that that was exactly what was required. But I, I, I that was me giving up almost to that point. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of giving up. There's a lot of, of, uh, surrender that comes with right. the process. And I think it's, I think it is important sometimes when you're, when you're, um, having that internal debate on whether or not you jettison something that you really like for the sake of where the song might be going. You got to remember that that piece of jettisoning jettisoning, can always be used later or can always be fleshed out and developed into a thing. Nothing's really gone forever. That cool part that you're trying to so desperately to hold on to and make work in the song that's just not working. That might be the thing you need to let go of and save for another day.
1: You put it back in the pile in the junkyard, right?
0: Yeah. I gotta- yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> One of the things that um, actually, and this is a more collective comment about arrangement more than writing, let's say. But with the guys in my band, a lesson that we all kind of maybe not learned but figured out that we should learn quite a long time ago is uh, we call it "let the song win the argument," right? And it's like let the song win. It's not, a, and like, and quite a lot of the time, that's about somebody's trying to put in like a super complicated fill or part or whatever, and it's kind of like you know, an ego becomes invested in it. Do you know what I mean? Someone's like, well, I want to play this to show that I can kind of thing. And it's like, if the song doesn't need it, then don't put it in there, you know. And um, there's even the songs on, on Be More Kind where I don't really play the guitar because it was like, it doesn't really need another guitar part. So I'm going right. to step back from it, you know. And it, that's the thing. Let the song win rather than the a song shouldn't be a method of showing off to yourself, to your band, to your producer or whatever, you know, it should be a thing unto itself. It should be its own kind of end goal. Yeah.
0: There's a whole level of ego battle. Um, One thing that I've been kind of paying attention to is, is, uh, you know, intentionality with, with parts. And especially when we're recording drums, like there'll be things, there'll be things that everybody does that you don't even necessarily think you don't, you're not conscious that you're doing. Like when you're going out of a part, and into something else that might be quieter does it really need a crash there you know or, or is that or is that just something that you, you do and you don't even realize you're doing like
1: yeah you know yeah, zach I'm and sure.
0: i zach and i would have conversations about like that you know what everyone's getting quiet right there and the thing you it may just make sense you feel it you do it all the time anyway and when you're making a transition into into a new a new section like uh, there's usually a crash there but but some but you know, to step back and actually think about it for a second, like what if that wasn't there? And you take it away and it's like yeah, way yeah. more of a dramatic kind of thing. Yeah. But when you're but when you're in it and you're and you're just going, it's so hard to step back and kind of see it that way.
1: Right. Well, so this then that, that raises a really interesting point for me which is the battle between following and trying to and trying to counter instinct right yes because some of the times it's like you know particularly if you have made a career as a songwriter and if you've been doing it for a long time and i hope i can find a way of saying this that doesn't sound hugely up my own ass but like essentially it's like you've, you've clearly got some sort of de- demonstrable skill going on so maybe if something's just pulling you in a certain way and it's just instinct then cool you just follow it because hey this is who i am this is what i do i know how to do this shit and sometimes that is the right thing to do and up with something cool but the really interesting shit can come when you do the opposite of what your instinct is telling you to do or at the very least try and fight it a little bit do you know what I mean where you know um again I have a song called I'm Disappeared and the chorus gets quiet and I wrote the first verse of that song and had just the first verse for so long and I knew it was so good and it was just like the chorus gets louder. That's what choruses do. The chorus has to get louder. You know, when it gets to the chorus, it has to go whoop, and, and get louder. And it, would, it took me like a fucking year to figure out that maybe the solution was the chorus to get quieter. And then the minute I did that, I had a path forward and then managed to finish the rest of the song. But it was just such a battle to fight that instinct of what, of course choruses get louder. That's what a chorus is. It's yeah. the loud bit. <clears throat> that, that
0: battle is kind of what this whole project I'm doing here is about. Because that's that's really <laughs> that's really the crux of what's fascinating to me is the more psychological part behind the decisions that you make and sure. fighting the instinct versus the object behind the the um, the instinct behind the academic <laughs> or like the or the <laughs> just you know the present versus the present versus the passive kind of thing. Like, how much are you? Sure. A, how much are you a vessel for this subconscious? Thing that's trying to break out of you? And how much are you the captain steering the ship? There is a really fine sure. balance. There's a really yeah. fine balance. One informs the other. There's no rules to how you navigate that. And every single time you do it, it's going to be a different set of, of priorities one's pulling on from the other. Right. And you, right. you just have to figure it out.
1: Right. And maybe the real skill is learning how to ride those two competing... <clears throat> like pressures, do you know what I mean? Yes. Because that's the thing, it's like, particularly if you start thinking about music in terms of kind of like the great, the jazz greats or whatever, it's all instinct, do you know what I mean? It's just people being brilliant musicians and just going, there, and it's brilliant. And, and I'm not saying I'm a jazz great, for God's sake, I can't play jazz. But like, you know, it's like, um, that is that thing. Sometimes it is the right thing to do to let the instinct govern the decision making process. But sometimes that means that you write the same song that you wrote five years ago again, because everybody has, um, worn paths of things that they like to do as a as a player, like you were saying, but also as a songwriter as well. You tend to go in certain directions and 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 have certain kind of narrative arcs or whatever. And and you know, I think about this a lot. And uh, the fact that I've put out eight records now, and it's like with every record I do, I feel like I have to justify why the fuck anyone should give a shit about. Frank Turner's ninth record. Do you know what I mean? I know or what you mean. anyone's ninth record. And so therefore, what i got to do is make sure that I'm doing something that is at least kind of like has enough conceptual difference to it, enough artistic difference to it to justify it existing. Because, you know, at the end of the day, everyone can go and listen to album six and album five and album three and whatever the fuck else. And it's just like I have to I have to push myself into places I haven't been before. I spend I stay awake at night thinking about that
0: part of that I'm able to let go of just because it is about three years between our albums and right. you know, just the nature of how you're going to change as a person in that time means that you're so, going to present something different. I hope you're a different person <laughs> in three yeah. years. Like what are you doing living? If you're not, if you're not oh a different God. person six months from now, like you're, you're kind of missing the point of yeah, it all. Yeah. yeah. But,
1: um, I couldn't agree more strongly with that statement. It, it blows my mind. I mean, there's a weird conservatism in music fans, by which I mean, and I get it, and I'm guilty of it myself in places, but, like, you fall in love with the band, you're like, I want them to stay exactly like that forever, and if they change, I'm going to be angry. And it's kind of like, but, dude, I wrote that song, like, 18 years ago, and if I was the same person 18 years later, that would make me a moron. You know what I mean? It's like, of course I'm not the same person I was yeah. when I was, like, 20. I
0: think that's more about them than it is you. It's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Hey, dude, your 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 early punk stuff was better. Hey, man, that's on you. Yeah, no, it's it's that's a it, it that's is a though. great way of thinking about it, it. It is though because I mean think about your experience with records like that that were important. It's your experience that was important, not necessarily it. Like if you go back and yeah. listen to a record, if, if you think about records that were important to you when you were like twelve or fourteen, um and you went back and listened to them now I mean I think probably it would be maybe a 40 percent that they would hold up compared to what you're listening to now <laughs> like just you know on a technical level on what you know about yeah, songs yeah. on your tastes now of and course. what's important to it is it's just like it's like a tattoo it's like the brand of your life in that moment I don't have any tattoos so maybe I'm talking to my ass on this no, but no, it's like, no, but this it's no, important this
1: exactly the way I think it's about important it, yeah.
0: it's it was why why did you choose to take this in and make it yours it's because of that period in your life that it's branded to. Right. It's not. Yeah, it's like yeah, when yeah. you. It's like when you hmm. smell like when you have smells that uh, remind you of things. It's, um,
1: it's, it's Proust. It's, it's the smell of um, the cakes in Proust. Uh, oh, come on. I should be better at my intellectual reference points than this. Um, uh, Marcel Proust in, in A La Ressource de Tempadu, the whole thing starts with him smelling the madeleines that his mother used to cook when he was a child. And that's where yeah. the whole book starts. It's got nothing to do with what we're talking about, and I'm just showing off now, so I'll shut I mean, But yeah, I mean, I th- those are, th- dude, you just said some stuff that's re- actually really intellectually helpful to me. It's a great response. To say to, to the constant carping of like oh like your earlier stuff better to say that's more that says more about you than it says about me it, that's
0: a good comeback yeah I mean it's not <laughs> it's not necessarily a a a, a, a dig it's not necessary it's just a thing you experience this at a point in your life where where things around it were uh you know important or it it just kind of brings back those memories and that's why yeah. you associate that with you know, you, you take that, you made it yours. That's what art Absolutely. is. That's what art is. Right. Like that's, that's happening now as you're listening yeah. to new music now, you're, you're in the process totally. of, I mean, and
1: yeah, art, 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 is a meeting between the the, 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 real juicy part of art is the meeting between, in terms of what we do between the, 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 performance and the listener, you know, quite often people will send me messages saying like, Hey, what does this song mean? And the answer is it means whatever the fuck you think it means, you know? And there's plenty of songs that I love as a kid, which I'm sure I've taken something totally different from what the songwriter was thinking about but that's not the fucking point and almost the interesting and exciting part is when it be- means something else to someone else because they've brought themselves to it you know that's the cool part
0: and as a as the creator of that I think it's not you shouldn't take it personally if people don't get it because mm. for the same for the same reason you know it's like if someone bothers to take something that you've done and they're going to spend the time with it and they're going to under they're going to build their own associations with it That's Mm -hmm. that means you've won. It doesn't necessarily mean if they if they are 100 percent getting your message and the intent behind it. It's that's sort of secondary like it's it's people love a good story and they love and they love background to stuff and they love getting digging into the weeds on it. But that's really secondary to just what the listener is going to make out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Right, dude, man, you're so much more zen about this than me. I love it. You're 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 talking me down.
0: <laughs> but I mean, maybe I'm more zen, but I'm also way overthinking it at the same time. You know, like it's, it's just. Oh, but
1: come on! What else do people like you and me do with our spare time? Overthink other things. Right.
0: <laughs> overthink other things. Like if it, it's like if my energy wasn't focused on this, I'd be overthinking. Like I don't know.
1: Anything. Anything? I've been overthinking my patch bay recently. This has got nothing to do with what we're talking about. I'm in the middle of building a studio right now, and I've got a patch bay. Yeah. So, really what kind of what it. kind of
0: setup do you have there? Do you have room to where you can make noise. <laughs>
1: Um, so my wife and I just moved house, um, for a bunch of different reasons. We wanted to get out of the city. We needed to get out of the city financially, to be honest with you. Um, but also it turns out if you don't want to live kind of near the center of London, you can buy like an insanely large amount of space for less money. Um, uh, and, uh, we have a place that has like a little kind of shed down the end of the garden that I'm getting soundproofed and I'm going to have my own little studio. It's, it's the classic, um, middle-aged man thing of having a shed, um, and, uh, but just with more kind of <laughs> looping lights inside. Yes. Um, but it was funny. So, I mean, I'm not like trying to build like a full scale professional recording studio. I want my own space where I can do some stuff, do some mixing, that kind of thing. But, um, I'm going nerdy on this because I know they appreciate it. Um, I spent ages trying to justify a patch bay because I think patch bays are sexy um, and just really exciting. Um, and uh, for a long time, I was like, I don't think I'm building to the level where it's going to make sense to have a patch bay. But then I figured out a way I could justify it the other day, and now I've got one.
0: I've had a patch bay for a while in some forms. Like right now, I've got, <laughs> right now I got like the TT cabling and it's got db25 inouts in the back mm. i think that's i think the proliferation of that kind of thing makes it really easy but before i had like this HOSA setup that was like quarter inch patch cables and it was it was yeah, it was yeah. crappy but like it, it makes a big difference like so what you would you would like plug mics into like the mic preamp and then run that into something else and then run that into your interface or like occasionally it, you decide like what mic preamp you want to use and you'd plug the xlr into that Instead of like yeah. into a, a mini snake or whatever, and then routing it. Yeah, is that how you do? Yeah, it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, essentially, yeah. This is the thing. I've got a, diff- a whole bunch of different mic prees and inputs and stuff, and I'm yeah. figuring it out. I did. Are you? Are you? Do you know Butch Walker? Are you familiar with Butch? Or?
0: A little, yeah, a little. I mean, we've, 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 we're, we're acquaintances. Yeah. Okay.
1: I've yeah. never liked well, Yeah. I made a record with him a few years ago. He's an absolute fucking darling. I love him to pieces. Yeah, he's but, great. Um, one of the things he talks about quite a lot is being like the record label whisperer and about like keeping record label people out of the studio while you're working on a record. And um, one of the tricks he kept talking about, which I just thought was hilarious, is he has a patch bay in the studio that's not connected to anything at all. Um, and, uh, you know, when, it, when if he's got a suit in the studio, he'll just like plug a few things in and then, like he's got some dead faders on the right side of his board as yeah. well, and he'll just sort of move those around a bit. A&R and go, faders, how about like this? Yeah, exactly. And the guy's like, "Oh my god, this." If amazing. you really
0: want to go, if you really want to go nuts, let them bump something two dB on the non-existent mm. faders. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, you want you want to yeah. bump that two dB? How the vocal, yeah. how, how <laughs> the vocal sound now? Oh, so much better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like no, dude, that's a, that's it's a thing. Yeah. Have you yeah, ever had yeah. Have you ever had a producer kind of do that trick on you, like? You'd be telling them, "Hey, can you turn that up a little bit?" and and then they don't do it, and they say, "How about that?" And then you, th- yeah, that's better. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're t- to- totally getting gaslighted by yeah. your own producer, right? Yeah, yeah, um, no, uh, not not specifically, uh, not the release. Not what I've been aware of, although now you're making me second guess everything that's ever happened to me in the studio. So yeah, really you're like well. you laugh at you laugh at, <laughs> at Bush
0: doing that trick on the A and R guy. I mean, like, I wonder what he's pulling what ninja oh, stuff God. he's pulling on you to get his his yeah, ideas across. Yeah, yeah
1: right. Great exactly.
0: producers are kind of like. Uh, I wouldn't say manipulators, but you know, like they're you hired them for a reason for their for their yeah. take and their opinion. And sometimes, like you know, they can they can put a good argument to make you think their idea is your idea. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: exactly. It's, it's mind gaming. Yeah, um, totally. Uh, as a producer, I. I'm going to keep names out of this because things are ongoing, but there's a producer that I'm I'm talking with at the moment who I have worked with in the past, and he said a very funny thing to me the other day. He said, I'm much more mellow than I was last time we worked together. I still get my way. I just do it in a more mellow kind of way. (laughs) It was just like, oh, okay. Um, But he's an amazing producer. so
0: yeah. I'll leave the cricket bat in the car this time.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, it's yeah, it's a different, and, and I always find that the role of producer is a difficult thing to explain to people who haven't made records. And I always reach for the example of Mr Miyagi. Do you know what I mean? Mr Miyagi yeah. doesn't actually fight, but he is the reason that Daniel wins. You know what I mean? And it's like it's it's like the or the or the guy in, the, in your corner in the ring when you're boxing, your coach or whatever. And it's just somebody who's kind of like Ging you up and pushing you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of similar mind games going on there.
0: Did you just do something as a as a producer role?
1: Yeah, so this is the thing with this setup. Um, I just, I've I kind of, so basically at the start of this year, before pandemic, um, if you can remember such a thing, um, I was at that point where I could knock out, you know, a pretty good quality demo on Logic, and that was me. Um, and then, you know, we all got locked in our houses for four months, and I started kind of saying to myself, well, what does the release time on a compressor actually do? Uh, you know, what is a soft knee? Um, and you know how does a de work and all this kind of shit yeah. and I've just kind of completely rabbit holed on it um, and uh, yeah so I, I produced a record for my buddy Jay who goes by Beans on Toast who Um, who I've known for years and and is an amazing songwriter but his records are he plays guitar and sings and he generally has the same three chords in all his songs and stuff and I said that with a lot of love and he gave me carte blanche to take it in different directions so I had a lot of fun kind of arranged and mixed the record and played everything apart from his guitar and vocals and there are some songs where it's kind of like post-punk and there are some songs where it's like funk and some where it's kind of like folk punk and somewhere it's country and just you know just kind of messed around with it and had a good
0: time yeah that's 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 a fun thing to do when people send me i'd like hey man what do you think of this it, it it's usually like i kind of treat it as one of my songs
1: which oh yeah which, right exactly yeah which
0: means um actually you know you know jim ward from sparta oh v-
1: very well he sent
0: me he sent me an idea that's been floating around in his world for a while he's like hey man what do you think about this and it's like a a couple sections now, I mean, just guitar. And at first I thought, at first I was thinking like, maybe I would just figure, I would just kind of try to add to it. Like, this is as far as he's gotten with this. Can I take it and 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 bring it to the end? But what ended up happening Happening is the idea that I got from it was based on like one part of half a phrase where a chord was going back and forth between two chords. <laughs> the prog- and, But it wasn't part of the whole progression of that section. And it just, Mm. it was like one of those moments where, um, you know, like you'd be in band practice and your bass player starts walking around on something, not even paying attention to what they're doing. And that triggers an idea for you. You hear, you hear the next part of it and then you, you, you instantly freak out and start diving into it that way. And that's kind of what happened there. And that's, you know, all of a sudden, like I was listening to it all of a sudden, like that, that the 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 next step sort of jumped out at me, but it wasn't even close to what his idea was trying to do, you know. Right. But I think
1: j- Jim, Jim, I'm, I'm I don't know, Have you gone back to Jim with it?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's into it. We're gonna, we're gonna flesh okay, it out yeah. into
1: something. That's a, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. I mean, Jim's such a good dude. I, I wrote a song with him actually. Oh, um, At the end of last year, we we were on tour. Um, actually, this was a fun thing. We were on tour and we we played L.A. and then we played. I think we played Phoenix. In fact, I saw you in Phoenix. And then it would have been the day after that because the bus drove to... Okay, El Paso uh, would be the next... Well, the well the bus drove to Austin or Dallas or wherever it was yeah. and long trip. And we had like a travel day. And I picked up a hire car. And this is interesting because I only passed my driving test two years ago. Don't judge me. Um But it was like I picked up a hire car in like the west of America. And then I drove from Phoenix to El Paso like... Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like driving in a car on my own, and uh, and it was and you know listening to Tom Petty or whatever the fuck, and just went and spent a night hanging out with Jim because he's such a good dude.
0: Yeah, there's definitely there's there's some aspects of touring, driving myself around or in and driving us around that I miss. You see things in a totally different way than if you just wake yeah. up at the venue.
1: Very much so. And actually, well, it's funny. So during the first kind of 10 years of my solo career with the guys in my band, the Second Souls, we did van touring and I would never drive because I didn't know how and everybody else would take it in turns. When I finally passed my test, all the guys in the band immediately told me that like we had to immediately go and do like a two-year-long van tour with me driving the entire way in order to like kind of equal out my quota. Yeah. And all that
0: stuff. <laughs> hey, you still got time. Maybe next year you guys could book that and...
1: Well, yeah, you know, and I still have yet to actually drive a van, but I'm game. I'm ready. You
0: know, it's not. I mean, if it's just like a sprinter, it's not that much different. I think you'll be okay. Um, I'm
1: driving like a teeny little Ford Fiesta at the minute, so it's like four. That's quite sensible, Frank. I I, I back
0: that. I've never been (coughs) never been a car guy. (laughs) You know, I'm always like, what's functional. I always like looked at. I thought a minivan was pretty dope because I could fit my half stack in there pretty easily. You know that was the
1: thing. So this <laughs> is the thing. So like that's what this I'm thinking about. About. Le- about learning to drive when you're when you're when you're older is that like for so long in a really abstract way because obviously I didn't. Drive. My thinking about cars revolved entirely around how much of a drum kit slash back yeah. or PA or whatever <laughs> I could get in the back of it. Yeah, and I've now and then I passed my test and immediately started thinking I needed a car I could at the very least get a full drum kit in cases in the back of. And my wife was just like, "When are you ever going to do that?" Do you know what I mean? Like you have like a crew and you have like a fucking my bass player runs a bus company, all this shit, yeah. and it's just like you're never going to need to drive a fucking drum kit around. What are you talking well, about? Uh, no,
0: there's like, do you ever do like wacky, lower key gigs somewhere that involve putting a drum set in your car?
1: <laughs> I, no, no, never. I mean, you know, did you ever? I do, I do low key gigs, but it's generally just me and my guitar.
0: Like, I don't know. Like, there's a part of me that thinks, like, what if I, what if I want to put together a thing that we do just like a cover of an of an album at the local, uh, yeah, club yeah, yeah, and, yeah, show.
1: Sure. I mean, I feel like I should do that kind of shit more often.
0: Do you feel like, uh, do you feel like, did you feel like you had that sort of connection, like a rent living in London that like you knew promoters and they were friends of yours. And if you wanted to put something together you could, you could just do whatever you wanted whenever, like,
1: yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I mean, at the risk of sounding hubristic here, I feel like I had that in a lot of the UK. I've been doing this for long enough now that most kind of promoters around the country are people that I know and have worked with for years and years and years. And like, um, you know it's actually it's funny enough my um, my tour manager and I and we've been working together for a, a very long time uh, had a realization the other day we showed up at a venue and both of us actually knew the venue knew the venue better than any of the local crew because we've been going there way longer than them because they're all guys in their like early 20s or whatever and it's just like oh I played here in 2002. Uh, and they're kind of like, I wasn't born then. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you, you, you know what I mean? But that, that was kind of yeah. that was a cool moment of like graduation almost. You know what I mean? To just sort of be able to look around and be like, Yeah, I know this place pretty well. Actually, I do know where the dressing room is.
0: <laughs> do you need me shut? Nope. <laughs>
1: I got it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Except yeah. they
1: changed the fucking Wi-Fi code again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I miss that. <laughs>
1: Oh my, gosh. oh my God. <laughs> I
0: missed that, dude.
1: dude. <laughs> like, I was so. So, listen, um, I, I was going to say, so, over the summer, I did this, I did a handful of gigs, like, they were, like, socially distanced and all this stuff. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, One I saw that. Ones, yeah, one of, one of the ones I did was like, it was it was kind of like the government pilot. I mean, I, the government said someone needs to do like a officially approved pilot show and we'll tell you what all the rules are. And a friend of mine runs a venue and he called me and we put the show together and did it, you know, and it was sort of a test for all these new regulations and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was what it was. I mean, it was, it, the show worked, people had a good time, the money didn't make any sense, um, you know. Anyway, the thing that I remember from that day though was I arrived at the venue and this was in July, so you know, March, May, June sort of four or five months after the world stopped uh-huh. um, and I walked into the venue and I just I nearly started crying because it was just a venue there was a dude swooping up plastic cups and then I went on a loading ramp onto the stage and said hi to the monitor guy and then I walked up an echoing flight of like white stairs to a dressing room that had a cracked mirror and no waste paper bin and it was like I'm home
0: yeah I, I, I even missed the, the the dressing rooms with seemingly no bin. Right. Oh, <laughs>
1: that's like the, yeah, well... My, that's my biggest pet peeve. Is like, where do you expect me to... Yeah. We wrote a song. We've written a song, my touring <laughs> crew and I. Now, check this out. You'll, you'll love this. And in fact, I've long been considering... In fact, I, oh my God, I've got time to do this because it's November. We wrote, you know, the 12 Days of Christmas? Uh-huh. <laughs> we wrote a song called The 12 Days of Touring, right? and And, and it goes... <laughs> I'm gonna sing this to you on a Zoom call. It goes on the first day of touring, the venue gave to me a dressing room without a bin, uh, and then it sort of goes that's, up all the stuff. The and most, it's like you that's know, the
0: most oft repeat refrain is the no bin, <laughs>
1: right? But uh, yeah, exactly every time a dressing room without a bin. But it's you know it's, it's like two useless loaders, three broken <laughs> monitors, four broken mic stands, and then for the for the um, five golden rings, then you have bread, ham, and cheese. Um, <laughs> And you get up and then right at the top of it you have like 11 paying punters 12 on the guest list <laughs> but uh, I was thinking that I should do this as a song and get like friends from around the world to like join in and maybe I've, I've fuck I've got time you got Let's time do <laughs> are you in
0: yeah sure man okay you can you can, uh, you can assign me a day at random okay fantastic <laughs> Hey, Frank, thank you so much for hanging out with me and chatting music, man. I really appreciate it. It's great to see you.
1: I just miss America, I love America. To the extent that my wife and I were watching something on Netflix the other day, and it was like, it wasn't The Wire, but it was something like The Wire. And there was a scene that was set in an area of a, a sort of nondescript American city that was supposed to be like the shitty crackhead area of that city. And it cut to it and just, you know, an SUV crunching over glass files or whatever it was. And my wife and I both went, oh, I miss America. Um, uh, You know, I just, I just, I haven't been since last year and I'm just, I usually do and I love it and I hope that I will be back soon and we can hang out.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. I hope that, I hope to see you in my town again soon. That'll be fun. I miss America too. I think since I turned nineteen, the majority of my birthdays have been either away from home or in Europe. Got a lot. Spent a lot of birthdays in Germany, and spent a lot of birthdays in the UK. <laughs> I don't. I don't miss driving down alleys, breaking crack vial glasses with our band van, though. <laughs> Although anyway, I say that, but then I really do. I really do miss it. Sorry, I missed last week. We're gearing up to do something really special with the band soon, and that's taking up a little bit more of my time than I expected. Um, <laughs> or actually, the the podcast takes up a lot more of my time than I expected. Uh, so I'm dealing with that, juggling things around. There might be there might be a couple weeks where it's intermittent, but I do plan on doing this as frequently as I can. I'm shooting for every Thursday to continue putting out episodes. And uh, there's every reason to believe I'll have one next week. We'll see what happens. Keep you in suspense. Rock and roll. Rock and rolls like that. Thanks for hanging out and watching. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Chat later. Shoes.